Do we know what word is missing on the slide? Someone says, well, yes, I do. The word tongue should be in the blank. If we know what the missing word is, do we know where the answer is found? You may know that the answer is found in James chapter 3 and verse 8. James said that the tongue is a restless evil. He said that the tongue is full of deadly poison. Now, James could have said that the tongue is like a restless evil. It is similar to a restless evil, but he omitted the comparison word. When the comparison word as or like is eliminated, that usually strengthens the point. If you're here for the preceding lesson, you know that we noted that the average mouth is opened 700 times per day. We produce the equivalent of 66 books a year, which has 800 pages in each book. If we talk that much or talk anywhere close to that amount of speech, we, of course, have a number of opportunities to sin. And the Bible affirms this point in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19. Scripture says, In the multitude of words, there wanteth not, there is no lack of transgression or sin. But he that refraineth his lips does wisely. When we think about talk, we, of course, have the opportunity to gossip, to slander, to tell a lie, to engage in flattery, to express pride, or even to backbite. There is the possibility that we will use foul words, swear words, curse words, and there's a possibility that we will use our words to promote or engage in quarrels. The wise men said it is wise to use some restraint when we speak. Restraint is needed because just a few words can change, sometimes forever change, a person's life. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 4 talks about a gentle tongue. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness, that would be the opposite therein, is a breaking of the spirit. Now, this is perhaps not the best time of year to talk about beautiful trees, at least in our area. But soon we'll still, we will see some flowering trees. Trees will begin to sprout forth leaves, and they will be beautiful sights to behold. The writer says that we can speak words which are like a lovely tree. We can speak words where other people want to talk to us. They want to hear what we have to say. It's possible that as we go through life that we use words which comfort and console others. The world tries to accomplish that same thing, but the world says if you use the speech that we support, if you use the terminology that we use, everybody's going to be comfortable, everybody's going to be happy, everybody's going to be thinking the same kinds of things. But that's not the way that God says the Christian is to behave. That's not the way the Christian is to act. The Christian, as we see from Proverbs 15 and verse 4, an Old Testament principle, speaks words of kindness and also speaks words of truth. A Christian, as we learned in the earlier study, is someone who is honest in his or her speech. The world says oftentimes that if the speech doesn't agree with what it wants to hear, then it is not kind, it is not helpful if it's not conforming to its standard. But God's word is, God's word to us is that um, if we are not speaking the truth, then ultimately we are not kind. We see the latter part of the verse also illustrated by the unsaved in our society. Solomon talked about words which break the spirit. Have you ever broken something? Maybe you've lived long enough and had enough experiences where there was a bone broken in your body. Maybe you broke a foot, maybe you broke an ankle, maybe you broke um, a bone in the arm, something else like that. Or if you've never broken a bone in the body, maybe you've dropped a possession, maybe it belonged to you, maybe it belonged to someone else, and it broke. There are words which can destroy people. There is speech which can literally break a person. It is possible to speak words in such a way where another individual is literally crushed. And that's true for any age. It's certainly possible to crush a young person's spirit, and sometimes parents have done that. Sometimes it's been done by a teacher. Sometimes perhaps a person is involved in his or her first job, and they 
receive information from the employer that just crushes their spirit. It is so demeaning that they no longer want to work or they find difficulty in going out and finding another job. There are probably some people in life who see themselves as pretty good folks. And maybe they not only see themselves as pretty good individuals, if you were to ask them if they were in a right relationship with God, if you were to ask them if they believe that they're going to go to heaven at the end of time, they would say yes. They would say yes because they believe that they obey, generally speaking, the laws of the land. They would say that by their standards and by the standards of others, they are generally pretty decent people. But if these same individuals were judged on the character of their speech, if they were evaluated by nothing other than what they say, their flaws would be a lot more evident. When we think about Christian speech, it is truly one of the defining, it is one of the uniquely distinguishing things about a Christian. It is really the hallmark for a child of God. When a person begins to take the principles that we find in Proverbs and throughout Scripture and begins to apply those life, those principles in their lives, they begin to stand out in contrast to others, sometimes even in contrast to fellow Christians. There's an old saying, the squeaky, get, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And that saying sometimes is applied to speech. Sometimes people use that expression to say, the more you shout, the more you holler, the more you yell, the quicker you will get your way. Well, sometimes that does work. And yelling and screaming has occasionally worked in another person's favor. But there is a way of Christian speech which is far more powerful. And here it is. Uh, Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 15. By long forbearing is a ruler persuaded. That's a key point. Here is someone who is in power. Here is someone who is perhaps an official, a ruling official, and the person is persuaded by something. What kind of speech will persuade someone who has power over others? And a soft tongue breaketh the bone. Now that statement is not literal. But it is a way of saying that if you are willing to speak in the way that the Bible describes, if you're willing to be kind and thoughtful and speak the truth, you can accomplish oftentimes a lot more than the person who is screaming and hollering. It can be very difficult to convince a person who's in power to do something. After all, they have the power, and oftentimes they're thinking, well, you can't do anything for me, therefore I don't want to do anything for you. I applied this teaching when I was in Moscow, Russia, some years back. My airline ticket had been incorrectly processed for the flight back to the U.S. That flight was full, and it didn't look like there was going to be any other flight anytime soon, which was going to work out, and I had lost my translator. In that situation, I had a couple of choices. I could have thrown a fit, had a tantrum, screamed, and yelled, and probably not gotten very far. But I, on that occasion, thankfully, was able to break some bones with a soft answer. I flew back to the United States first class. That was a $5,000 ticket one way, and I did not pay a single cent extra for that ticket. It was just some kind words that allowed me to receive that upgrade. In Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 27, the writer expresses the thought this way, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint. There's the person who is not a child of God, there's the person who's not interested in controlling his or her speech, and that individual might spot forth speech which is as bad as the filthiest sewer. But God says a person of knowledge, a person who has that scripture in his or her head does not do that. Showing restraint can be difficult sometimes. It can be incredibly hard. We really want to say something. There is that urge that we want to spew forth some things which are not kind. But holding on to those words, showing restraint, can come with some magnificent rewards. Sometimes a person will let their emotions or let the heat of the moment get the better of them, and then they find out that they're in trouble. 
Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 19 says, is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. There are lots of ways to deceive someone. And in this particular instance, the deceit is acknowledged. The deceit is confessed. Here's a fellow who says to his neighbor, yes, I did deceive you. I did trick you. But, Mr. Neighbor, I want you to know that I was only joking. When it comes to speech, a lot of times people often try to take back what they said. They realize that what they said was not good, it was not wise, it was not right, it was not appropriate, or it was not something else, and they want to reverse course. If there was an outburst of anger, a person may want to issue an apology, I am so sorry. If there was deception or a lie, a person again may apologize, perhaps sincerely, maybe not, but they will admit that and say, I am so sorry, please forgive me. But then there's some people who try to cover up speech by saying, oh, I was just kidding. It was just a joke. I didn't mean that. The writer is trying to tell us that words are like a bullet. Once we say something, it is impossible for us to retract the speech. We can regret our words. We can be extremely sorry for our words, what was said. We can do our best to undo the hurt that was caused. And we can try to make everything better. But just as a fired shot, a bullet cannot be taken back. That is true for our words each and every time. There will be some people in eternity who are surely haunted by some of the words. Think about those who will be lost in eternity, who will be there because they believed and said that Jesus was a fraud. The people who believe that and never repented will spend eternity with the devil. Or for the people who thought that Christians were fools for living their lives for God. On the other hand, think about being a Christian. Think back perhaps to the time where we said some things to someone that we regretted later. Maybe we were thinking, it's just like a bullet. I really wish I could take that back. But for the Christian, he or she is in a different category. Those sins of speech can be forgiven. And not only can they be forgiven, they can be fully forgiven. Sins of speech can be eternally forgiven, and that is great, great news. Even if people will not forgive us of something that we said, God will. Speaking of sin of speech, let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 5. A false witness will not go unpunished, but he who pours out lies will not be free. God said there are mouths it is possible to speak in such a way where people pour out lies. Now, I don't know about you, but the first person that comes to my mind when I read this information would be some of our current politicians, even some past ones. It seems like they just tell one lie after the other in hopes of getting reelected. We do know that there are people who lie and people lie a lot. A few verses later in this same text, Proverbs chapter 19, we read in verse 9 that God said these people who pour forth lies, they're going to perish. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 28 says that this kind of person is going to be destroyed. When we think about speech, we may most often, and this has been really the focus thus far, as far as this morning and now in this afternoon, we may think most about what we say, and that's true. We have a tongue, we use it, we say a lot, and we need to be careful with it. But as we think about speech in the tongue, there's another aspect to it, and that's also what we hear. We also, God says, need to pay attention to who and what we listen to. Technology has now reached the point where it's really amazing. But it's reached the point where just about any person on the planet who has a computer and internet access, they have potentially a public platform. If you own something as simple as a smartphone, you can, to one degree or another, if you so wish, become a public figure. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that would have been unthinkable. Young people becoming a public figure that thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people would follow, uh, that would have been a dream for many that would have been completely impossible. 
But now we have a lot of people, sometimes housewives, sometimes retirees, uh, people of all ages who will have a following and people want to be followed. They want people to listen to them. Well, there are lots of words that people speak which are not worth hearing, let alone following. And some of those words are secular words. Some of those words are religious words. Some of those words are found in some of the songs that we now have. We, God says, need to be careful with what we hear. If there are words, if there is speech which would draw us away from God, that's speech that we need to avoid. That's not a good thing. Now, some might say, well, I can kind of understand that from a Christian standpoint, but can you put a Bible verse with that? Is there a text somewhere in Scripture, especially in Proverbs, since that's the book, book that we're looking at, is there somewhere in Proverbs a verse which says that we should be careful about the speech that we listen to? Let's see if we can find one. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 4. A wicked man, well, that's not who we want to be. A wicked man listens to evil lips. So it is one thing to control the speech that's coming out of our mouths. We certainly have many responsibilities and duties when it comes to that. But now as we look at this other aspect of speech, God says that you need to be careful about the people that you listen to. Otherwise, you can be classified as a wicked individual. We have in one of our hymns words to the effect that the world has many voices which call us. And that is exactly right. There's so many voices out there, especially with all the streaming apps that we have and all the platforms that we have where uh, people are saying this, that, and the other thing. We might like certain music. We might like a certain speaker. We might like a certain subject. There might be all kinds of things out there that interest us. But righteous people do their best to avoid listening to things which are not unrighteous. God gives us a lot of instruction when it comes to speech. Let's look at a few more. Moving down a little bit, we come down to Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. This is a man being involved with an immoral woman. And here's the description of the immoral woman. For the lips of an immoral woman, they drip with honey. And that's not literal. It's a figurative picture. And her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. She is sharp as a two-edged sword. Now, these are verses which people in their younger years, in the formative years, they might find hard to believe. But older people, as they look at what's being described in Proverbs chapter 5, they probably live long enough to say, yes, this proverb is exactly right. There are some evil people who have speech, which is just like honey. For younger people, they may hear, oh, you're never going to get into trouble. This is not a problem. We've done this before. Uh, you're making a big deal about nothing. Come with us. Try with us. Uh, try this with us. Check this out. Everything is going to be okay. You just need to do it once. And young people have been ensnared in a lot of things because of speech which drips like honey. Drinking, drugs, fornication, a lot of smooth talking has lured away the unsuspecting. If we are associating with people who are talking to us in this kind of way, their mouth drips honey. It sounds so good. It sounds so appealing. Maybe it's counter to all the teaching that we've received. And yet it sounds like it's so much fun. Everybody else is doing it. And it seems like nobody's getting in trouble. God says... Find some new friends. That's true for young people and every single older adult. In Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 16, we have some information about seductive words. And that is the same basic idea. There are some words in life which are seductive. There are some words in life which are appealing, which say, come try us, get on board with this, just participate one time. And God says, you'd be wary of that speech because that is dangerous talk. You find the wise men repeating this point because it's so important in Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 5 and also in Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 21. 
Another warning about speech, and this also involves what we hear versus what we say, is found in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 8. The words of a whisperer. It is the word of the gossip. The writer says that those are dainty morsels. Was there something at the potluck that you really liked today? Something that you thought, I could go back for seconds and maybe thirds? That is really, really good. Out of all the things down here that are yummy, this is especially tasty. Well, that's how gossip is pictured in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 8. It is like a tasty morsel. Just one more cookie, just one more bite of cake. It is like a tasty treat. Solomon knew that people can like or relish gossip. Some are always easy, uh, eager to get into the business, into the lives of other people, and that can happen in any place. It can happen in our school. It can happen in our neighborhood. It certainly happens in the workplace, and it can even happen in the church. If we are a Christian, it's one of the things to avoid. Don't gossip and don't listen to it. In Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 20, the Bible says, Just as a fire ceases, it goes out without wood. So quarrels and problems die down without gossip. And that's true. Gossip is the fuel for many fires that shouldn't be burning. Several more Proverbs might be offered. I want to go ahead and offer just one more as far as this introductory lesson so that we can deal with this for another week or two. And this one is found in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25. A person's anxiety will weigh him down, but an encouraging word makes him joyful. I don't know about you, but you probably don't have to look very far in your life right now to find some people who are discouraged. They're downtrodden. Maybe it's in your school. You can see some young people in the halls, in the classes. Maybe some of your friends, they're discouraged. They're facing some difficult times right now. If you're out there in the secular world, you probably work with some people who are going through some hard times, and maybe they've talked to you about some of the struggles. It might be the neighbor that's across the way. Who knows where it is? Maybe it's here at the congregation or maybe it's at a sister congregation. But there are some people that we know who are depressed right now, who are discouraged. If we are a Christian, then we need to give careful consideration to the power of speech that God has given to us as individuals, especially this week beginning today. Look for people who need to be encouraged rather than further discouraged. Look for people who need to be built up. Look for people who need some comfort and some consolation and some edification. And in truth, don't lie to them. Don't deceive them. But give that person an encouraging word. That is one of the ways that we are a light to the world. The power of speech we saw earlier. It is the power of the tongue, which has the ability to kill or make alive. The power of speech can do great and very evil things. I was reminded of that a few days ago where I saw an illustration about a man. He had health insurance, and he went to California. I don't know exactly what the accident was. It wasn't something expensive like a heart attack. But this man went to California. He had an accident, and he needed to go to the emergency room. He knew that at that particular emergency room, he was out of health care coverage, so that was going to be some money out of his pocket. He goes to the emergency room, and there were people in the emergency room after they learned about his situation as far as not having health insurance that was applicable to that hospital. They said, number one, don't give us your ID. And number two, lie. Number two, you just tell us that you are an illegal, and we will not bill you. And that man did that, and that man avoided the bill. That's how he used the power of speech. Now, can you imagine a nation full of people in America who begin to deal with the healthcare system that we have in that kind of way, they go in for treatment and they say, number one, you're not getting any ID from me. And number two, I am an illegal. What's going to happen to our healthcare system? 
it's going to collapse. Our hospitals are going to close. So when people are not truthful, there are serious, serious repercussions from it. If people are not willing to apply the basic principles of speech that we find in the book of Proverbs, and really it just boils down to being a decent human being, if people lose that as well, the consequences be because of that are beyond extreme. It will literally destroy a society, and it can crush our world. Well, God says to his people, you are the light. People are to see God through you, and that means so many things. But part of what it means is speaking in such a way where we reflect the principles that we have in God's word, and for today, for today, those principles would be found in the book of Proverbs. We noted in the morning lesson that when people have a speech problem, and we're not talking about a, a physical problem, it is always traceable back to the heart. We asked if anyone had a heart issue that could be helped with today, and that's how we close this lesson as well. Speech is tied to the heart. If our heart is not right, our speech is not going to be right. Is our heart right with God? And if it's not, what's necessary to make it right with God? Do we need to become a Christian? We perhaps know the steps, but we've never taken the last two or three steps. Today we can. If we have become a Christian and we've gotten off track, then today God still gives us one more chance to make our heart right. And right with him now as we stand and sing.